Welcome to HealthCast, the heartbeat of health IT. I'm your host, Sarah Seibert. At the Veterans Health Administration, technology and patient experience go hand in hand. This episode dives into how VHA is leveraging new technology while closely integrating policy that enhances how VA tech and clinicians interact with veterans. One important piece of this puzzle is collaboration, the activity that goes on behind the scenes that enables each veteran to receive the best care and service at any touch point. We're joined by Annie Duran, Executive Director of the Office of Patient Advocacy, and Kurt Fink, Director of the Office of Healthcare Technology Management, who will tell us more about this interesting intersection. With that, I'll turn it over to Annie, who will tell you more about her role at VHA. I'm the Executive Director for the Office of Patient Advocacy, and my role here at VHA is to provide develop and and provide policy for about 550 patient advocates across VHA. It is really a a wonderful role because our patient advocates are so proud to serve our veterans. The patient advocates are a critical member of the healthcare team, and they are able to, in an immediate moment, identify a safety issue identify a critical medical need that a veteran is telling them about. And they receive veteran feedback in so many different ways, uh, in person, by phone, by email, even secure messaging from my healthy vet. So um, they have a wonderful role here at VHA in serving our veterans. And, and what they do makes outcomes better for our veterans. Kurt Fink has served with the Department of Veteran Affairs for more than 10 years. He'll dive into how his office has advanced and continues to innovate the delivery of healthcare equipment. Kurt here from Healthcare Technology Management Program Office in VHA. I'm often otherwise known as biomedical engineering or clinical engineering. So our office works very closely with the field healthcare technology management professionals, about 1,700 of them. As, as we together support medical equipment um, that's used for direct patient care, direct care of veterans. So from vital signs monitors to defibrillators to laboratory instruments to medical imaging and diagnostic technologies, uh, CT scanners, MRI scanners, and the like, our, you know, our field of HTM, healthcare technology management, is responsible to make sure that that Equipment and technology is safe for patient use, is cyber secure, and is readily available for the doctors and nurses and technologists that are on the front lines of patient care. Um, So we have about $9 billion worth of medical equipment and technology across VA that's used to day, day in and day out in our hospitals and clinics to care for veterans, about a million pieces of equipment. As Kurt explained, he and his team work across medical facilities and care centers to ensure veterans have access to essential medical equipment and technology. In doing so, collaboration is essential for this operation to run smoothly. Kurt will go deeper into how VHA's partnerships have improved care for veterans in an integrated environment that supports learning, discovery, and continuous improvement. Sure. Um, we, you know, we are in VHA central office. Um, we, we work very, very closely with the field, the 18 visions and roughly 150 medical centers that we have across the organization. And we're, we're constantly seeking to 
improve delivery of care for veterans and to adopt and implement the latest uh, and greatest healthcare technology and medical equipment for the benefit of our of our veterans. So for for example, particularly during the pandemic over the past year year plus, we implemented or expanded what we call our telecritical care system. That provides 24 by 7 by 365 day over the over the shoulder telemedicine support to the clinical staff at the patient's bedside. So nurses and doctors are at the veteran's bedside. They have the ability to get expert ICU physician and nursing support uh, via telemedicine to support the, the patient's best interests and needs at the bedside. And, and the technology and the, the equipment also has some intelligent and basically artificial intelligence and some algorithms in it that help identify alerts and alarms that the bedside alone might not otherwise see without the benefit of this this technology providing that support. So an example of how we've improved or enhanced the capabilities of, of taking care of veterans. And these are the most acutely ill patients in our hospitals, uh, in the intensive care units. And, and we're leveraging telemedicine technology to do that. And during the pandemic, we made sure this capability existed at every single medical center that's got critical care units and critical care patients in them. Within the Office of Patient Advocacy, Annie's team leverages veterans' feedback to improve care. To ensure the best treatment, her office has implemented enterprise veteran-driven systems of care to support VA priorities and improve outcomes to veterans in need. The biggest project that comes to mind is our implementation of a new patient advocate tracking system, which really has uh, met our VA priorities of modernizing systems and customer service. We call it PATS-R. It's the replacement of the legacy patient advocate tracking system. And it's really a wonderful system that's bringing cultural transformation to VA where patient advocacy is everyone's responsibility. And it really is such a benefit uh, for our veterans. It allows us to have real-time feedback of the critical issues that our veterans bring forward. And it allows a shorter complaint resolution time, which is very important to our veterans. It involves the service lines to making sure that veteran is getting their response directly from the service line. And then we take the data from this system and drive system improvements so that uh, we really are meeting many of VA's priorities with our new patient advocate tracking system. As Annie's office builds upon the foundation of PATSAR, she and her team will continue to improve integration with other feedback management systems to increase collaboration and help veterans with services outside of medical facilities. I can tell you that our, uh, the first step we took after the, uh, the full training and implementation cycle was to, to look at what are the necessary integrations that will really improve things for our veterans and improve things for our staff as, as well and, uh, and give us more opportunity to look at veteran feedback in, in one system. And so 
our first uh, integration was with the White House hotline. When those agents send cases to the field prior to the integration into PATSAR, it was a little bit of a convoluted process. And we were able to streamline that process to where a White House hotline complaints now go directly to the facility for resolution and cut out several steps in the process. This has allowed us to directly impact veterans by lowering the complaint resolution time by about six days. So this was a really fantastic integration that had, in my mind, had the most direct impact on our veterans. Now, we also are working on several other integrations. Uh, Coming soon will be the V-Signals, which is another veteran feedback tool, will be integrated into PATS-R, which, again, will make the data more meaningful as we collect what veteran concerns are from different, different feedback sources. Ask VA which is uh, the uh, older uh, legacy IRIS system. When that comes on board, that will be integrated with PATS-R, which will allow any kind of question or information or concerns that a veteran has to go directly to the patient advocate. Um, In the future, we'll have a digital comment card, which will allow veterans to complete, and it will go directly into PATS-R. So that's exciting. And then we're also working on an integration with community care so we can work very closely with them on veteran concerns. So this is just really very, very exciting, these different integrations. They take time. We need to make sure that staff is trained. You know, we have about 550 patient advocates, but currently we have more than 33,000 users in PATSAR. So we really want to see PATSAR become the authoritative source of all complaint and complement veteran feedback data. Our um, PATSAR system is really just a wonderful example of how we have been able to improve data processes and data collection. One of the things that we did was we contracted with a taxonomist to look at our, our complaint codes to make sure that they were truly reflective of of what issues the veterans were bringing forward. So this gives us more meaningful, actionable data. So some of the wonderful features of PATSAR is that, number one, it's it's real-time feedback. Um, You know, I know sometimes we talk about real-time feedback, meaning a report that you can get tomorrow. You can open up the, the dashboard on PATSAR at any time, and it gives you the most up-to-date data collection. And we're not, I mean, I don't want to focus on like the number of complaints or the number of days to close, but more importantly, what are the the top five issues that are being brought forward at at any given moment in time? And then that, uh, that allows the facility to leverage that data to take, to take action and, and do some system improvements where necessary. One of the other things I think is very important is uh, that it it helps us on our road to high reliability where the patient advocates are able to ensure that that trended data on safety issues is brought to quality management 
and uh, steps taken on on those different issues. So we uh, really have become much more sophisticated in our data collection process and the analysis of what we do with the data and making sure that it's meaningful and, and most importantly, actionable data. COVID-19 highlighted the need for new communication tactics and innovative technologies to stay connected with veterans and ensure they are still able to receive care from a virtual environment. Kurt will tell us more about how his office kept in touch with veterans and provided novel telehealth technologies to support VA facilities, healthcare providers, and patients. Sure. The telecritical care application or system that I mentioned is, is certainly one example. Uh, to augment uh, intensive care, delivery of care. To stay in touch with veterans, you know, certainly telehealth, you know, we've, we've continued to leverage telehealth technology so that physicians and nurses and mental health providers and others can, can have a virtual appointment with ve- veterans from the veteran's home. Veteran doesn't necessarily have to come to a VA facility. We've also entered into partnerships with medical equipment companies and like VFW, American Legion halls to put telemedicine equipment in those halls so that veterans can go to a VFW or American Legion post and have a telehealth consultation or appointment uh, with, with physicians at a VA medical center site. Well, that's, that's one way we've worked to, you know, to make access to healthcare uh, as available as, as possible for veterans. Outside of the hospitals, Annie's office leveraged virtual communication platforms and outreach methods to continue to receive feedback from the veteran community. Well, I'll tell you, um, we took a a different approach uh, in the Office of Patient Advocacy. We were very concerned about, um, you know, uh, the fact that veterans couldn't come in and, and see their patient advocates anymore. And we started a, a forum called Tea with Annie, a live camera on, uh, well, back we started it with Skype, now it's Teams, where I met with the patient advocates every two weeks. I had one meeting with the East Coast and one meeting with the West Coast where they could share best practices, you know, throughout a VHA and with their peers. And, and what we found was that we had many patient advocates who uh, took the initiative to reach out to those vulnerable veterans, those veterans that they saw all the time, and now they weren't seeing them. And they would reach out to them by calling them and, and, and seeing, did they have their medications? Did they have their appointments? They were able to help them with telehealth. You know, and, and we got very, very positive feedback from the whole telehealth process from our veterans. But the patient advocates were very instrumental in, in helping when when they ran into some technical issues or they didn't quite know what to do, patient advocates were, were right there. And so it was, uh, it was very wonderful uh, when we would have a you know, patient advocate at a one hospital say, oh, we just did this with this veteran to help them. And the other patient advocates got to hear that and were like, oh, that's a great idea. We can, we can do that here. You know, many patient advocates um, made sure that our veterans had food pet medicine, even food for their pets. They were instrumental in getting uh, mental health services when, when they could tell, you know, a veteran, you know, may need some help. And 
you know, patient advocates are not social workers, but they they were they're able to sense, you know, when there's a, a, an issue and and get the right services and help for those veterans. So it has been challenging during COVID, but I, I believe that um, using the technology that we have and and helping our veterans to use technology has really been a great benefit during this time. We already know how much COVID-19 impacted our daily lives. VA and VHA had to quickly scale up operations, and there were many lessons learned. Annie and Kurt will explain how they used COVID-19 to create best practices that helped in the department's pandemic response and could provide a roadmap for the future. We have leveraged our best practices. We have even taken some of the things that we've learned and are making them now part of part of our practice. We actually did a, a stand down to obtain lessons learned from the field. And I think it's also important to note, we didn't do it just from the veteran standpoint. Well, we also did this for the staff standpoint. You know, uh, many of our patient advocates are veterans themselves. And COVID was a very stressful time. And we made sure that uh, one of the lessons we learned very quickly was to provide self-care resources for our staff members, for our patient advocates. And uh, we did that on Tea with Annie um, on a monthly basis. We would, we would uh, and all, actually almost at the end of every call, we would provide VA self-care uh, resources for our staff members. And uh, for those of those self-care resources that were available to our veterans, our, our patient advocates were able to pass, pass those on to our veterans. So that, that really was an important part of what, what we did during COVID. And I believe that um, this whole process of reaching out to vulnerable veterans, that will continue. That is the best practice. You know, um, when we don't see that veteran that we used to see once a week, you know, let's call and check on them. And, and isn't it interesting? You know, you probably wouldn't do that in the private sector. You know, that's really something very VA focused, very veteran focused. We know that many veterans go to medical centers really for the camaraderie, you know, to see their their fellow veterans. And uh, with COVID, that that wasn't there for them anymore, and and that worried us a great deal. So we um, that's a best practice that we will continue in the future is reaching out to veterans that uh, we're used to seeing, and then all of a sudden we're not seeing. I'll share a couple of thoughts that come right to mind. One is a sort of a mindset shift, a process shift in that medical equipment pre-pandemic was largely considered assets or property of our medical centers. And what we discovered and pivoted through the pandemic was let's let's consider these to be enterprise assets. And for example, ventilators that were so important, especially in the early stages of the of the pandemic. Hospital uh, it was uh, it was in a hot spot. They didn't have enough ventilators, but we had other VA hospitals that you know had I don't say an excess, but they had ventilators that they could loan. So we would move those ventilators from one hospital to the hospital in the hot spot that needed those ventilators. And 
this is something that will will persist uh, viewing our you know our medical equipment holdings uh, as enterprise assets and doing more cross leveling across the enterprise so that we're you know we're leaner and more capable and and in in the case of the pandemic some of this equipment like ventilators you may recall you, you couldn't even get right it wasn't a matter of you know it being more cost effective to use the assets that we have in VA we didn't have a choice to be honest we couldn't buy them in the in the numbers that we needed from manufacturers and suppliers um so that um you know that considering the you know the assets the medical equipment that we have in our hospitals you know as enterprise wide assets or even a regional or vision assets i expect to see a lot more of that cross leveling and and thinking as we go forward and then, and then one other um sort of quick you know we've talked about telehealth and i i described or we've described how you know a lot of that from the from the veteran perspective a veteran can have a telehealth appointment from his or her home um but we've also considered the staff and we've been able to set up some technology so um for example you know radiologists can get imaging studies to a workstation in their home or you know outside the you know the classic come into the hospital and and um and read your x-rays we're able to get those studies to where the radiologist you know is residing or happens to be so the radiologist could do a you know a an interpretation and diagnosis and you know give the feedback to the referring clinician and patient more quickly and reduce the you know the ins and outs to the hospital during the pandemic of people so um, i i you know i expect that also will will continue into the future as you know as we continue to leverage telehealth capabilities it's not just for the for the veterans um benefit actually it's all for the veterans benefit but some of it is through more efficient use of technology for the providers as well. When it comes to the veteran and the veteran's experience, it's critical to consider the clinician experience as well. For us in the on the healthcare technology side, you know, our our primary customers are the frontline, you know, patient care providers, the doctors, the nurses, the the technologists that are interacting directly with the patients and using medical equipment to take care of those patients. So we do quite a bit of you know of surveying for you know cuz you know satisfaction surveys of the doctors the nurses the clinical teams that take care of the patients how is healthcare technology management biomedical engineering supporting you what could we do more of what could we do differently how is the equipment that you use for direct patient care working is it available when you need it when you have an issue or a concern are you getting the support that you need from healthcare technology management or or others so we have a variety of of customer satisfaction tools uh one that we you know we we do a customer satisfaction survey on an annual basis and then we also have you know, kind of real time feedback you know after a a service is provided by HTM biomedical engineering uh the nurse the physician the clinician has the opportunity to immediately give feedback if they were delighted with the service disappointed with the service or somewhere in between and so and we analyze all of that data and we we turn it turn it around and put it in the hands of the frontline staff and frontline managers and supervisors so they can you know they know the context best so they can um you know again identify strengths and identify opportunities where they might improve when it comes to one of VA's largest tech initiatives the electronic health record modernization 
data interoperability is going to be an ongoing crucial component in that rollout. As Kurt describes, his office is working to create interfaces to make data more accessible and transferable to healthcare providers and patients. On the healthcare technology side, you know, there there are thousands of medical devices that need to be interoperable with other information management systems, whether it be a decision support system, whether it be a kind of a, a niche information management system in a clinical medicine surgery subspecialty, or whether it be the electronic health record. And so we we are definitely working constantly to um, make those integrations and those interfaces work and to sustain those interfaces between a you know, vital signs monitor, an ultrasound machine, a laboratory analyzer, a, an MRI scanner, so that the results of those diagnostic tests, those laboratory analyses, get into the right information management system for the, the clinical you know, teams to review and make, make treatment and diagnosis decisions on. Kurt explained how his office contributes to the EHRM effort across VA. As he'll note, he and his team are largely responsible for the preparation and integration of medical devices. Largely, it's preparing the tens of thousands of medical devices to integrate to the new electronic health record system. In many cases, those devices are, are integrated to our legacy uh, electronic health record, and now we need to make sure that those devices are compatible with and integrated to the new electronic health record system. In some cases, the medical equipment has has not previously been integrated to our legacy EHR and now will be integrated to the new EHR. So we need to make sure that it's going to communicate with the new EHR system. And again, all of this in a way that supports the clinical workflows. It's not just a matter of technically interfacing the medical device with electronic health record system, but making sure that it's done in a way that supports clinical workflows as defined by the medical staff and the clinical clinical councils uh, defining those workflows. Also on the data front, Annie is looking at how new approaches to data management can help agencies close gaps in health disparities. Now with our taxonomist uh, looking at our codes and making sure that we have meaningful data we are able to create records and reports that identify issues specific to a special status. And then we work collaboratively with with the other program offices uh, who offer those healthcare services to help them with their strategies and initiatives as we provide them what those issues are, what the data says. So that's um, that's something that um, it's growing by leaps and bounds. We keep adding more codes to make sure that we're able to identify issues per an individual status group. So it's a really important subject for us. And we just see it continuing to grow. Looking into the future, amid ongoing modernization, there is promise in various emerging technologies that both Annie and Kurt are looking at. Well... I do think it's going to be exciting when we are able to move forward with our integration of the digital comment card, which will allow a veteran to use uh, their phone, a, a Q, you know, a QR uh, code on their phone to to file an issue in the moment, you know, and not not have to send an email or make a phone call. And so that is an exciting 
prospect that will be coming hopefully in the next fiscal year. But, but we continue to seek out integrations. We continue to seek out what, what other technologies are there out there where the data is, is separate. We truly want PATSAR to be the authoritative source of all veteran feedback uh, for complaints and compliments for VHA. And we're excited about that. And, you know, I know we're talking about data a lot, but I just want to say that all these different integrations that we do, it just makes things better for our veterans. And it just allows the patient advocates and the service line advocates to provide just top-notch, excellent customer service to our veterans. This this is an area that I get very excited, you know, when we look ahead towards, you know, emerging technology, emerged technology that we are implementing in inside of VA. Uh, it's very exciting. So just some examples I'll, you know, I'll share, you know, in the area of women's health, for example, making sure that, you know, all of our medical centers that often offer women's health services and say have in-house mammography that have they have the latest and greatest 3D DBT capabilities on those mammography machines, that those facilities have the ability to do bone densitometry studies uh, that are particularly applicable to women, but not just women. So a fair amount of activity in in women's health, um, where we as an organization are very actively enhancing our lung cancer screening capabilities and using Computed aided detection. Um, it's kind of a you know an AI like technology or capability to to uh, improve identification uh, of of early onset of of lung cancer. Precision oncology. We're doing a lot of work in in that area. Also, three D printing. You know that opens up a a whole variety of of uh, capabilities. Three D printing organs and tissues. And some devices like, uh, you know, a special type of hearing aid. VA actually just recently got a patent to manufacture these with our, our 3D uh, manufacturing capabilities. Robotic capabilities, robotic surgery. Um, many of our medical centers have robotic surgery devices. And that practice and use of those capabilities is ever expanding. So those are some of the the areas in the, you know, in the space of healthcare technology that we're, you know, we're, we're growing and clinical services are, are offering these, you know, these services to veterans that are, you know, akin to what you'd see or sometimes, you know, perhaps more advanced than what you'd even see in private sector healthcare for the benefit of our veterans. That's all with HealthCast for now. Thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe with your favorite podcast app or listen to more at governmentciomedia.com. Until next time. HealthCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentciomedia.com slash podcasts. HealthCast is produced by Amy Kluber, hosted by Melissa Harris and Adam Patterson. If you liked what you heard, Let us know by leaving a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.